Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Today I have on Lindsay Matthew. She is the owner and founding principal of Golden Egg Concepts. In this role, she provides integrated marketing communications and business development consulting services for clients in the architectural, engineering, construction, development, and real estate industries. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you, Keelan. It's great to be here. And I love chatting with you. And I think we have so much in common. And I'm looking forward to talking today on the podcast. Yeah. So before we dive into basically how to showcase marketer strategic skill sets, I want to first go into how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Sure. Well, like a lot of AEC marketers, I, I kind of tripped and fell into this industry without setting my sights on it, admittedly. I went to school in Boston. I went to Boston University. I studied communications. And I think when I was up there at the time, I thought I would be doing something like, you know, working for the Red Sox or the Boston Celtics or something really exciting like that. But, you know, fate had it that I ended up moving back to Connecticut. And I just kind of put some resumes out there after I graduated. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with a degree like that. It's fairly broad. And I remember applying, I saw in the Hartford Current, an ad for what was described as an ENR, top 500 design firm that was seeking a marketing coordinator to help with their regional office in Connecticut. And I didn't know what ENR stood for at the time engineering news record, but I thought that top 500 was very impressive. So I put my resume in and I got a call and landed my first position in the industry working for a civil engineering firm that did primarily municipal and state DOT roadway and bridge design. So I kind of got thrown right into the mix like many of us did when we first think back to our first jobs here in the industry. And I was doing a whole slew of things, everything from you know, again, reading the newspapers and looking for the legal notices to announce different invitations to bid, putting RFPs together, putting shortlist interviews together, press releases, you know, some very admittedly amateur at the time, graphic design, uh, <laughs> trifolds and flyers and stuff like that. So really just a, a slew of marketing communications type of activities to support business development. I would even cover the phones when the receptionist would go out on her cigarette break. I mean, literally everything <laughs> under the sun, uh, yeah. but it was a great place to really learn about the industry. And I remember not really knowing much about it coming in cold. I said, wow, this is definitely a niche. I could tell right out of the gate that it was a niche. And I was like, I'm either going to figure this out or move on. And I, I really dug in and I just started asking a ton of questions and I ended up falling in love with it. And, and then I kind of moved on to a larger, more integrated AE firm, also in Connecticut. And I was there for about five years doing everything from marketing coordinator up to proposal and marketing manager, and ultimately business development and marketing director and principal of the firm in a relatively short time period. I learned a lot. There were a lot of different disciplines uh, and divisions and offices of that company. So it was a great place to really refine and, and you know, hone my skills and, and confirm that this was my path with the AEC industry. And then after that, I ended up going over to the, the construction side of the business, working for a larger construction management company, also in Connecticut as well, working regionally throughout kind of New England, Southern New England. And I was more of a business development role. So I let go of some of those traditional marketing responsibilities that I had always taken 
taken on with my previous roles and really got more into a sales role. And then after that, I, I made a jump to start my own consulting business, which is Golden Egg Concepts. My maiden name is Sarah Gusa and everyone calls me Goose. <laughs> I was going to ask where that came from. <laughs> yes. So it's like the goose that laid the golden egg. And if you think about the moral behind that story, you know, it's like, don't let, you know, greed destroy the source of good things in your life. So I really kind of latched onto that as a name and ran with it, just providing, you know, as I do 11 years later now, outsourced marketing, communications, strategic business development, and related consulting services, staying in this AEC lane that I have come to adore. And uh, that's my story. I, I love what I do. And I work with, you know, small businesses, startup businesses, all the way up through and including international corporations all across the country. It's every day is different. That is for sure. And I, I love what I do. My four buckets, if you will, of consulting are really strategy, helping pe people figure out what they want to do, where they're going, how they're going to get there. Design, really anything your logo touches. <laughs> I like right. to broadly state proposals because that just comes with the territory in this industry. And then websites, helping firms develop uh, a good, strong presence on the web. So those are my areas of expertise and, and I really enjoy this business and it is a niche as my instincts told me right out of the mm -hmm. gate working for the civil engineering firm and, and I love it. Perfect. Well now, I mean, it makes perfect sense why we're having this conversation because if anyone knows what a marketer's skill set is, it's you. <laughs> So yeah, I have had, I've seen a lot of different sides of the role for sure. In the yeah. different positions that I've had the, had been fortunate to work in. Perfect. So I think when we were brainstorming this, something that really stuck with both of us is that typically in this industry, we talk about two buckets of professionals at AEC firms, which is technical air quotes here and mm -hmm. non-technical and Correct. We do do this to ourselves, so it's not like it's someone else's fault that we've been called non-technical and our, our engineering or architecture counterparts have been called technical, right. but I do think it's time to take ourselves away from identifying as non-technical because what we do is such a, it's a skill set and it requires technical skills to do well. So yeah, absolutely. I don't think that there's anyone who's better <laughs> to get us out of this bucket than you are. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a big challenge that you're putting me <laughs> I'm going to say it's a little intimidating, but uh, I, I will gladly take it on. And, and I completely agree with you. I think in this industry, we're put into buckets, whether it's technical, non-technical, or again, air quotes, billable, non-billable. Sure. And, um, I feel like those kind of parallel those first two buckets that we talked about. And it's unfortunate because I, I think there's a bit of devaluing <laughs> that right. happens when you put the non hyphen in front of the word technical, because it almost immediately knocks you down some rungs on the ladder and says, well, you're really adding a different level of value here. That's perhaps not as valued. And, sure. and that's a challenge, you know, to kind of reverse that in this industry. I think the broader marketing role in general in this industry, which often is placed in that quote, non-technical bucket, there's a lot of, I think, connotations and challenges associated with just that role in this industry, because I think the evolution of the marketing function in the AEC space has, I think, started it rooted in administrative functions quite a bit. But I think as you know, and I know, and, and many of the marketing coordinators, managers, directors, and, and other roles probably listening to this know 
our roles and our expertise, frankly, our technical expertise extend well beyond perhaps some of the commonly associated tasks that come with the marketing function, such as RFPs. <laughs> right. um, so I, I think we very much do provide a technical service. And just as we use the term subject matter experts, we write about this in our proposals, right? We talk about this when we're out mingling and doing business development. We are subject matter experts in, in our own regard. It's just a right. different subject. It, it's something that I think we really need to work together within the, the, the constructs of each firm to counteract. Because I think if you look at the types of technical skill sets that marketers, again, air quotes, <laughs> we were using a lot of those today. A lot <laughs> of the, the skill sets that fall into that category uh, are in fact very technical. And frankly, the quote, technical people that don't have those skill sets will be the first ones to say, oh, you know, listen, I need your eyes on this. I don't know what I'm, I don't know how to write. I really can't write. You don't want me taking a stab at that. You know, they're the first ones that'll say, listen, that's not my wheelhouse. And that's where we can come in and say, listen, we have the skills to, to help you there and really to add value throughout the entire life cycle of, of an opportunity, not just where we typically come in, which is during this kind of RFP stage of the game. So just to dig into this a little bit more, how would you name the skill set of an AEC marketer? What attributes do you feel that we have compared to our colleagues who are primarily focused on engineering and architecture and construction? Yeah, that's a great question. And when you think about marketing and, and even like with SMPS and the different domains of practice, then I know that they've helped categorize some of these different skill sets. There's nuts and bolts research and some very analytical skill sets that get into looking at data, figuring out early identification of opportunities, even if it's looking at Google alerts or scouring the web for, for information, looking at capital improvement plans. There, there's that mindset, that research mindset that I think really helps early identification of opportunities. That is a skill set in and of itself. Then I think you look at that next stage of the game. Once you've identified the opportunity, that kind of personable business development skill set, uh, the ability to kind of walk, talk and chew gum at the same time, as they say, getting out there and, and knocking on doors and, and even if it's not with that direct contact, using your network that you've maybe worked your whole career to establish to find a way in. It's like LinkedIn with these six degrees of separation. Well, listen, I don't have a contact there, but I'm actually really good friends with the architect that does all their work or the civil that works for the architect that does all their work. So finding that foot in the door, if it's not an obvious path and, and using your relationships and your people skills, frankly, as another technical area of expertise to nurture that opportunity and and I guess confirm that it is an opportunity and having that analytical um, mindset to kind of understand what the client really needs. And you do this through listening and, and talking. And again, those are unique skill sets right there. Sometimes a client thinks they need one thing and they ultimately need something that's very different. That happens to me all the time in my business. People come to me, hey, you to manage our social media. And I'm like, okay, that's an interesting request. Let's let's back into that. How did we get here with you thinking <laughs> that that was what you needed? Like, you know what I mean? You almost yeah. kind of say, not to say I don't want to do that and help you, but maybe there are some building blocks leading up to that that we might need to kind of tackle together first. So kind of helping really the client even understand the opportunity. And that's another skill set 
Then again, as this opportunity evolves and continues down the path of, of fruition here, I think there is that RFP, RFQ skill set. And that could start really as early on as putting together some introductory materials, maybe not even an RFP per se, but some very tailored materials. And I think this involves a lot of different skills, whether it be graphic design, whether it be writing, copywriting, and even strategically the ability to kind of think about what is important to the client. What do I need to convey in this communication, whether it be a PowerPoint or a one-page flyer or a bound booklet, really using your different skills in a hybrid sense in this particular stage of the game to put together that best foot forward. Because as they say, there's no second chance for a first impression. And a lot of times at this stage in the game, you may have a great relationship that you've nurtured and developed, and now they're, quote, asking for quals, right? So then these quals are going to get passed around. So they may be coming on someone's desk cold. So they've got to stand alone with it kind of out of context, perhaps they may just get forwarded on. So how do you communicate strategically the points that you're trying to make? And how do you make sure that those points are aligned to what your prospective client actually cares about? Perfect. So so that's kind of the qual stage of the game. And certainly the RFPs putting those together, Keelan, you know, firsthand, those can be quick and dirty, or they can be horrible and voluminous and <laughs> overly involved. And, and it really depends on the agency or the client or the department that's putting them out. But the, that alone is a skill set to be able to kind of dissect and, and analyze and ask questions and, and ask strategic questions that frankly might put you in a better position to get compared apples to apples if there's holes in the RFP or ambiguous language. So having that mindset. And then you talk about another skill set and (laughs) these are all just different things that that are coming to mind here. But again, as this project rolls down the path, let's say you get shortlisted or, or perhaps it's not a competitive procurement process, but maybe you're asked to come in and present, even if it is just your firm that presentation is is another skill set. Maybe you in this marketing function are part of that presentation team. Maybe you have a speaking role in this. Maybe you have a lead role in this. Who knows what that is? But I think being able to communicate from a public speaking standpoint to connect with your audience, to put together a presentation deck that's um, not only going to look good graphically, but flow logically. I I think a lot of firms fall into that trap of cover slide, content outline, firm overview slide, org chart, project understanding, like it's very predictable. And I think to really undo some of that predictable flow of of these presentation decks and really put yourself in the shoes of the client and say, what do they want to hear? What's important to them? And almost retooling your entire presentation to really speak to what's on their mind. So that is a skill set, not only to be able to strategize that and put the right people in the room, but to actually be able to speak on your feet and deliver that presentation in some case. And and then hopefully you close the deal, you get the project. And then there's a whole nother set, I think, of skill sets that come into play once the project becomes, quote, billable and it's in the door. You you think about marketing and really, I think broadly, it it comes down to communications. And I think whether you're talking about sales-related communications that support business development or whether you're talking about project-specific communications that help you as the AEC firm explain, document, and convey what is going on throughout the the process to whether it be the client, the the facilities team, the building committee, whoever. Communication being clear and clean and on brand, consistent with what they've seen leading up to the fact that you guys closed the deal, 
I think that's really, really important. And oftentimes that's the place where marketing kind of gets cut loose and they're sent to go kind of chase the next opportunity. And I think you and I, in our brainstorming session, Keelan talked about the fact that there can be a very hard visual disconnect (laughs) from all this beautiful stuff that they've seen during the, uh, courtship phase, right? And right. Then, and then you're like, okay, we get the job and now we're giving you our reports and they're, you know, done in Microsoft. <laughs> honeymoon <Word>. phase is <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, honeymoon is over, baby. Absolutely. It's like, this is the real deal and everything, you know, in Calibri font and photos are jumping around. And it's particularly for an industry that, that prides itself on every firm would say quality is one of our core values. Like, well then k- keep that thread going <laughs> all the way right. through. So, you know, long answer to your, to your excellent question, Keelan, but I mean, I really think that throughout the life cycle of an opportunity from its earliest identification through the delivery of your scope of services, I think there is a broad strategic marketing slash business development and overall communications function that is very much a technical skill set. And, and I don't think it's one person that's this hybrid mix. I mean, I, I would like to say I'm that one person that's the hybrid, <laughs> but <laughs> we're a rare breed. I, you're a hybrid too. They're both, but you know what I mean? There's not many people are like, well, I'm a graphic designer, but I can't write or I can write, but right. don't put me in front of a crowd because I'll want to curl up into the fetal position. Right. Um, you know, so, or someone might love digging into the weeds with research, but typically you don't find all of that in one body. And I think that's a challenge too, for our industry, particularly as marketers in this industry is I think there's an expectation when people are hiring for that function, that this person be that be all end all hybrid unicorn. unicorn. (laughs) Yes. And that's so, (laughs) so rare, particularly at, I don't want to say an entry level, but you need experience. You need decades of experience to begin to even identify and hone these skills before you can just kind of come out of the gate and say, Hey, yeah, I'm a utility player. I can wear any hat you need. Sure. So what I could see happening here is I'm sitting here just nodding along to you (laughs) and I wouldn't be surprised if there are so many others who are doing the same, who are currently just stuck with proposals Mm -hmm. uh, voluntarily or involuntarily. Mm -hmm. So Aside from proposals and potentially even within the pursuit process, how you just mentioned the different stages of a pursuit, yeah. how do we as marketers expand our roles at the company? That, that's, that's another great question. And I think it starts, I, I think it's one of those knowledge is power situations. I, I think the more that marketing has a seat at the big kids table or the adults table, I should say, and not the kids table, the, the more, you know, proactive we can be when we as marketers understand the bigger picture in terms of strategically, what are we trying to do as a firm? You know, what are our objectives strategically for the next five years? Are we looking to get into this particular market or region? Are we looking to do this operationally? Do we have things we want to improve? I think the more you understand the bigger picture of your firm, the, the better your instincts can be sharpened to say, hey, you know what, this may not be quote in my job description, but I think that I could really help out by doing this. Or, and, and this again, goes back to those different functions we were talking about. Some of it could be networking, like, hey, maybe one of the operational goals is to really fix some challenges in human resources. 
well, through my network, I've identified a human resources consultant and I can bring them in and maybe that's part of the solution, you know? So it may not be necessarily a particular, you know, task that you're doing, but it could be an idea that you're bringing to a table. It could be a relationship that you're bringing to the table. It could be functions on jobs that frankly, you might not even know exist. And I think the more you can get exposed to everything that's going on at the company and, and even in terms of the project delivery process, what happens once it leaves the, the shortlist interview and you get the, hey, we won this, understanding the process of delivering a project so you can kind of see areas that maybe this could be done more efficiently, or maybe I could add value here, whether it's a report or this or that or, or client interfacing. I think it's going to depend on each marketer, but I think understanding all of the the very different opportunities to add value is where you'd want to start. And, and don't be afraid to raise your hand and say, listen, this isn't on my job description, but I really think that I could help here. Or I really don't think that this is working and here's a way to do it better. I think let go of the boundaries. I feel there's a lot of boundaries like, well, that's HR. That's really not right. my cup of tea or, well, that's operations and I'm a non-technical person. So I'm like, roll your sleeves up. We're all one company at the end of the day. Right. I mean, I'm saying this is from working internally, but you, you know what I mean? We're all going after the same common goal of being successful and profitable and a great place to work and all of that. So let's let the walls down and really just work together and let everyone not to get all kumbaya here, but let's let everyone shine and do what they're really, you know, built to do. And I I don't think we have to have these hard buckets of what's in my realm of responsibility versus what's more for the billable technical staff. I think that the more we understand about where we can add value, the more I think your instincts to offer suggestions or involvement can come about. And it's so interesting that you bring up the re- specifically the report element, I sort of latched onto that because I do remember a certain situation where I was working with one of our engineers and he knew that the end result of this project would be a report. Mm-hmm. And he looked at his staff and his staff were booked. And mm-hmm. I had sort of casually mentioned to him after looking at one of the other reports that if he ever needed help formatting it, I'd be happy to help him. And he was sort of the first one to say, actually, the end result of this one is a report. You said you could help with that report. How about we put you on the org chart? Yes. And he had to make that connection for me. I didn't make it myself. I was like, of course, it's going to take me like a fifth of the time it would take you to yeah. do this in Word, I can do it in InDesign. It'll look a million times better. It'll be consistent with our brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this goes back to even pricing the project and bidding the project, like building in time for, for marketing involvement. Don't just say, well, this report needs to look pretty. Let's just bill it to overhead. No, mm-hmm. that is a technical service, frankly, that the client doesn't have because they do it themselves if they did that you don't have as the architect or engineer or or whoever, you need that technical billable service. And and when you make, when you're making the org chart, I mean, to me, that's, that's a beautiful thing right there because it's, it's showing how you, we as marketers can bridge that gap. There are functions that are going to be overhead. And I think that's a whole nother part of this dynamic of technical, non-technical, billable, non-billable. Oh, you're just pulling down the overhead. And it's like, no, we are, we're not definitely things that functions that are not going to be billable. But I think the more that we can think outside the box and see value that marketing can bring to the table on jobs, 
the better, whether it be for reports or even many of these projects in the public sector in particular have big public outreach and involvement components to them. And and thinking about those skill sets, what do you need to do? You need to really understand your demographic and your audience. You need to figure out what the the messages are and, and the audience for those messages. And then we need to figure out, well, what communications tactics are going to be best to reach those audiences, whether it be social media, a website, flyers, postcards, in-person kind of design charrettes or whatever the case may be. It's that that's a marketing mindset that I think can help orchestrate all of that. And again, be on that org chart, be a face and, and not just sub it out. A lot of the skill sets right in house. If you look more closely. Perfect. Yep. So we gave a few examples here, but what do you think showcasing our skill sets looks like outside of those examples? Do you have any others that come to mind? You know, I think those are really two specific examples like we talked about, but I think in general, um, I think a lot of marketers end up going to school and studying kind of more general, broad business functions, if if you think about it, whether your marketing degree is through the school of management or even a communications degree, a a lot of them really roll up to general business principles in in many respects. They're certainly very specific in in the fields of study, but a lot of it generally, it's it's a function of business. And I think the look for areas that relate to the function and the health and of the overall business. You know, I can just think, speaking from my own experience, other things that I get involved in, sometimes even get into looking at staff utilization and projecting out the workload. And with this particular client, um, it was always very anecdotal. We'd be like, and, and, and the connection back to this, talk about an opportunity to really identify a way to raise your hand and, and think of other things you can help with. It, it really started with RFPs because we're like, all right, who are we throwing on this one? Who are we mm. putting in? Is, is she going to be too busy to take this on? Well, I don't know if this hits. So it became this constant, like per, trying to follow the bouncing ball of, of staff utilization as we'd have these different flurries of RFPs. And I was like, honestly, I feel like we need to kind of formalize these discussions a little bit. Maybe we could kind of put together some kind of, it doesn't need to be anything fancy, but some kind of like relatively basic Excel spreadsheet that would help us month to month kind of track not only active billable jobs and assignments for these individuals, but things that we're probably going to get, maybe going to get, or we've got an ice cube shot in hell's chance at getting just right. so we can really accurately begin to kind of answer these questions as, as new opportunities come out. So as much as it fed into a, an ask related to proposals, it, it really became a tool that kind of supported our ability to make predictions and make decisions even on staffing that again, originated from an RFP related constant question. But that would be a good example of kind of just another task that connects back strategically to the organization that that no one probably would ever label marketing or non-technical, but it's something that I think your instincts as kind of a a business person with with a background in marketing could certainly support your involvement. So that's just another example, but really I think strategic planning, certainly the public outreach, definitely reports, presentations, technical documents, and and even beyond that, I think just interfacing with the client. I think that's another area that I think marketing, and again, I'm air quoting to to death here (laughs) when I'm saying marketing, because I know a lot of people broadly are put into that category, but may have different functions or titles. But I think we kind of generally know the role here that we're talking about. I think that marketing can certainly help on a client relationship side in terms of just 
checking in. How are things going? How's the team delivering? And, and yeah. sometimes marketing's removed enough that they can kind of have that open dialogue without feelings getting hurt, you know, and yep. just maybe being an advocate for the client as much as you want your team to succeed as well. And again, keeping marketing involved from the origin of the opportunity all the way through the delivery makes it, it not like, oh, who's this stranger giving me a call? Like that you'd stay there to kind of touch base and check in on things. So those are just some other areas that, that I think, and, and two others that just kind of randomly popped into my mind, just in, in thinking of other specifics, but the internal communications is, is a big piece of this too. A, a lot of times I think marketing gets associated with kind of external communications, which cer- certainly is important because a lot of times marketing is supporting generating opportunities and sales and prospecting and, and all of that. But there's a communications function and almost an internal marketing piece with the employees. And I think that's a whole nother chapter that that is often marketing is not part of that I think they certainly could add value in because a lot of the same skill sets that we're talking about in terms of connecting with people, communicating well, being able to write, designing things, all of this stuff, thinking strategically, these could all apply on an internal communication standpoint as well. And, And I think marketing has the benefit of being that kind of hub in the company where we're kind of working with everybody, whether it's on different proposals or presentations or different offices of the firm, everybody knows marketing. And from my experience, everyone generally likes marketing. Right. <laughs> um, people kind of talk to marketing and tell them things and they may tell marketing things that they don't feel comfortable telling human resources. And I'm not that mm-hmm. you would you know, rat somebody out, but you may say, well, I'm not sure how well that's going to fly with people because you may have a better pulse on the reality of the firm than, than perhaps people in human resources. So I think you can lend your instincts in that way to even internal communications. Absolutely. I I think marketers have such a, an accurate pulse on Mm -hmm. company morale. Yes, absolutely. And especially during this pandemic, when you just have people talking over the phone, I have found that I figure out a lot more about our staff and what's mm-hmm. going on in their lives than even some of their managers. Yeah. Like I know whose pet passed away. I know who's yeah. you know having a baby or who's moving houses. Yep. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's a responsibility too, that I think just comes with the territory. And again, it's not like, oh, you're going to because a lot of times people will tell you things on proposals like, oh, I don't know why they're putting me on this. You know, they're, I'm too tired. Right. Right? And you're like, all right, again, it's not like you want to like tell on them, but it's good to know. So when you hear maybe conversations at the leadership table that you're part of, presumably, or hopefully where they're like, oh, well, we got to find work for this division. You could maybe say, listen, I, I, I wonder, could we maybe try this PM? I, you know, sure. Yeah, less tapped out or the last time I was looking with this person, it seems like they were really stretched too thin or even if it's more observations, I I do think that marketing can, can kind of play bridge that gap, as you said, to make sure that the pulse of the company is felt not only on the floor or in the field, but bridging that gap to make sure that it's understood at the leadership level as well. Absolutely. So last question in an ideal world, how would you structure a team? That's uh, a <laughs> heavy hitter for the last one. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a big one. We're going to end on a big question here, Keelan. I think in an ideal world, you'd have a, a, a bench full of hybrids, right? Right, <laughs> right. Everybody can do anything and it's like, whatever's needed, we can all just kind of jump in. But 
realistically, that's just not the world we're in. I, I think to have a leader of the department, you know, that as hybrid as you can find, somebody that kind of understands, I really think it's important to understand a couple core functions, really strategy in terms of why are we doing any of this in the first place, right. communications, marketing, and business development. I, I think those are kind of the four prongs that I look at when you're talking about constructing a hybrid. That person may not know how to work open. They may not have Adobe Illustrator on their computer, or they may not even know what that means. You know, I, I think some of the very um, tactical skill sets when it gets into graphic design or even social media management, or frankly, proposal writing in many respects, mm-hmm. um, I don't think you're ever going to find that one person that can do that all. But I think to have somebody at the top that can kind of analyze the requests coming in, as well as the opportunities to to support beyond what's being asked of marketing, right? Somebody that can think like that, that can construct a team of these different kind of tactical experts or subject matter experts right? <laughs> with different technical expertise that can really be assembled to, to react and respond to those requests. So whether it's a copywriter and or one or two copywriters, a graphic designer, someone that's doing some video, someone that's got a web background or knows the content management system, maybe somebody that knows SharePoint, if you've got that set up for your intranet, somebody that's more of the mover and shaker that can kind of go out and talk the talk. And, and do the BD scene with the trade shows and stuff like that. I think that if you can kind of have some diversity on the bench, and I say on the bench, but I don't mean it like that. I just mean kind of to pull from within your team. Sure. Um, but have a leader that really can kind of really pull up their sleeves and pinch hit in, in, in a lot of those sub areas of marketing um, and communications. I think that would be the ideal structure. And Furthermore, I think that that person needs to be, again, I I said this earlier, and I think it's so important, but needs to be at the executive leadership level of the firm. Marketing needs a voice, you know, strategically. It's of the utmost importance um, to make sure that the team within that group is positioned and capable um, of delivering on on what you need. And, And that's where you look at like a consulting company like mine. Sometimes I'm acting as the full-on marketing department, the director, the coordinator, and everywhere sure, in between. Yeah. Sometimes there's an established team like that, and I'm kind of called in for a particular technical expertise. Hey, we need help with this video, or we need some custom icons developed for this, or whatever. Or sometimes there is a director, and I'm kind of acting more as that like utility player that's bat and clean up in a lot of areas, like graphic design, writing, whatever. So I think the construct ultimately depends on how big your firm is. What's the pace at which you chase RFPs? I don't like the word chase either, by the way. I shouldn't have said that, but um, <laughs> pursue, yeah. you know, pursuits. Um, But I think you really have to figure out what does it look like for your firm? What are those kind of constant demands? And then what are those like wish lists of things that are better and more fulfilling for the the staff in your group to feel like, hey, I want to get out of bed in the morning and I want to do this and I want to, where can I add value? And you don't want people feeling defeated or pigeonholed. And I think if you can have an environment where people can have a good mix and as much as RFPs are deadline driven, to, to be able to treat other projects that may not have hard deadlines as equally important to the success of the firm. I, I think that that's where you begin to shift that culture and getting marketing more involved on quote billable things. I, I think that's where people really begin to see the value beyond, I think what's typically associated, unfortunately with this function in our industry. Yeah. 
Well, excellent. If our listeners want to find out more about you and your work, where should I direct them? You can direct them to my website, which is golden egg concepts, plural goldeneggconcepts.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, you can look me up there, Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, Matthew, M-A-T-H-I-E-U. You'll find me there and we can definitely connect, but yeah, a phone call or an email away. And I love talking with people and and sometimes just talking with people to kind of help them get a sense of the lay of the land and giving some input or advice or whatever. Sometimes that's all it is, but if it evolves into something more, that's great, but I'm here to help and no job too big, no job too small is the way I look at it. Um, I have my own team of of partners to to your question about the ideal team. Like I've got a great team. I am a one woman show, but I do so much that, that I could never get done without the help of some really trusted uh, improving partnerships that I've had for years that, that really help power what Golden Egg delivers to clients in the built environment. So give a call and uh, we can chat through what you're going through and maybe some ideas on how you could make more of a strategic impact at your firm and give marketing that, that seat at the executive table where it belongs. Excellent. And I will include those links in the episode show notes. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. This has been so great. Thank you, Keelan. It was, it was a wonderful chat and it's something that I feel very passionately about. And I know you share a lot of the same uh, beliefs <laughs> on this topic and I am always happy to delve into anything you want to talk about. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to uh, all the listeners of your, your great show. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Marketeers, that wraps up this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Lindsay and Lindsay, thank you again for joining me. If you are enjoying this podcast, as always, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.